Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Hello and welcome to Headliners, the show that has comedians look at some of the most important, the most interesting, the most irritating and the most amusing stories from tomorrow's papers. I'm Dominic Frisby and tonight my guests are GB News's answer to Will and Jada Pinkett Smith. It's Leo Kurse and Diane Spencer. What? You, you keep Jada Pinkett Smith's name out of your mouth, Dominic. <laughs> Very Go good. Go on, smack him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I don't think I fancy being smacked by either. But anyway, he he hello to you both. Welcome to the show. Are you happy with that comparison or no? I, I think I could I could put in a better slap than Will Smith. It was like it was like a drunk Essex woman at a wedding. He it just was went a in. He was like, oh, oh. you have clearly not seen a drunk Essex woman <laughs> <laughs> fight. If you think she's she's going in with her nails like Wolverine, she's going in with a bag like one of those like medieval things, a ball on a stick. Yeah, no, you haven't seen the fight. I think it was a status slap. It was just a right. I'm stronger than you. It's a Scientology thing, apparently. In oh, Scientology, they uh, maintain rank with slapping. Uh, so if Will Smith hadn't slapped uh, Chris Rock, then somebody superior to Will Smith in the ranks of Scientology would have slapped uh, Will Smith. So, <laughs> Come running from well. the back. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to start reading some of the websites Leo Curse is reading to come up to learn that kind of stuff. Anyway, um, we start, as always, with tomorrow's front pages and uh, we'll lead with the Daily Mail first, which has Rwanda plan to smash the channel gangs. And that's a story we'll be looking at. Dramatic migrant blueprint unveiled today. Many asylum seekers to be sent to Africa for processing. Um, on to the Daily Telegraph, which has the same story, channel migrants to be set, sent to Rwanda. And it also has Minister Quits over PM's credibility to lead. That's the Justice Minister. We'll be looking at that story. And also we'll be looking at this story. Graduates facing a £3,000 stealth raid on incomes. On to the Independent. Partygate blow to PM as Minister quits and cruel deal to send UK asylum seekers to Africa. <coughs> the Guardian, uh, Johnson may face three more fines in party scandal and asylum seekers could be sent to Rwandan camps. And Jersey freezes 5.4 billion quids worth of Abramovich assets. Crikey, and that's just what he's got in Jersey. On to the Financial Times. Russian menace edges Finland and Sweden closer to NATO entry. That's a story we'll be looking at. And Jersey freezes $7 billion of assets linked to Abramovich as sanctions net tightens. The Mirror is next. Worst is to come, PM. Downing Street insider says, says he faces three more COVID fines. Bang to rights claim as the pressure grows on him to quit. I wonder if it's all this pressure that's led him to, to make the Rwandan announcement. Anyway, uh, that call me a cynic. On to the Express. PM, bold plan to send boats, uh, to send boat migrants to Rwanda. And finally, we have the star, Great Scott. <laughs> 
Space eggheads admit that time travel is possible. Wormholes could allow us to travel between worlds. In theory, we could go back in time and get a new PM. Ha! Huh. And those are the headlines. So let's start with Thursday's Express and the government's plan for channel migrants, Leo. Yes, yeah, so the government is planning to send uh, people who cross the channel to get here as, uh, as asylum seekers or, uh, or, or migrants uh, trying to, try to enter the country illegally on boats. They're going to send them to Rwanda. Uh, to try and end the small boats crisis. So uh, this is to, to stop the people trafficking uh, and to stop, because people traffickers are making insane amounts of money from this. And it's, it's pretty barbaric. And it's also incredibly dangerous. So, you know, as, as we've seen, there have been numerous tragedies where people drown uh, in, in the channel or, or, you know, become adrift and, and starve or have health issues. Uh, and it's also uh, to make the UK less appealing. Um, because it's become quite easy to come across on a boat. So uh, yesterday, um, 600 migrants came across on boats. And obviously, you know, that amount is going to vary according to the weather and the season. But, you know, if that's a, a sort of daily tally, uh, and once, once people are in the country, once they're in the asylum system, they tend not to, not to leave. Uh, so, you know, it's becoming this, uh, this thing where, where people are just entering the country. They know they can get here and they know once they're here, they can work uh, under, under the counter. Uh, they could. I'm, I'm looking for a gardener right now. But um, so you know, this is this is really to to sort of. On one hand, it's to stop the people trafficking, to stop the stop people drowning. But on the other hand, it's to stop uh, so much illegal immigration into the country. You've explained the why, Leo, and uh, but the issue is, is it going to work? And I'll, I'll, I'll throw that one to you, Diane. To, in, in the interest of equality, it's your turn to speak. Oh. But, I mean, but... Uh, <laughs> excuse me, that came out completely wrong. But you know what I mean. Um, it's... Uh, is it going to work? What's, what's your views on this? Um, I, I can see the theory. So the yeah. theory is, is that, you know, somebody who has travelled all the way is going to stand there before they cross uh, the English Channel and they're going to go, right... Once I cross this, if I get picked up, I could be flown all the way to Rwanda. So it's supposed to sort of put people off then giving their money to the human traffickers. I get that. Uh, but what I'm thinking about is um, the airline industry, because uh, if we are having 600 people a day and we need to look after them, we need to make sure that they're okay, where have they come from, who are they, we need to look after them because they have come for asylum. They've, they've come to be safe most of the time because they've come from very dangerous places. Not always. <laughs> France. Well, well, France. It's got terrible, <laughs> terrible service in the restaurants. Oh, my God, no wonder. No wonder they can... The French raters are so rude. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, and then to sort of get on a plane, you, I mean, they're going to have to obviously have a fleet of planes that are sort of constantly doing this. Um, and currently the airline industry is already sort of collapsing. We've seen all these photographs of people in these endless queues outside Manchester Airport, Heathrow Airport, because there's no staff able to sort of fly the planes. Yeah. For safety reasons. I, I imagine they won't go through the queues. I imagine they'll be shuttled straight onto the planes. Oh, my God, this country. Oh, everybody gets special treatment. They get, they get to skip security. Probably get to carry two, two carry-on. I can see this being... Carry on. I can oh see this, this works as a deterrent. 
but I can see it going massively tits up within about yeah. three months. Yeah. Why? Because there'll be all sorts of atrocities committed in Rwanda. The stories will break. We probably won't have the same control that we have in Rwanda that we have here. No, Rwanda's not, you know, it's not the country it was when the Hutus and the Tutsis Sure, but were. there will be a different, you know, it's presumably it's going to be the Rwandans looking after the, the camps there, and I can just see it going tits up. Some airline's going to make a fortune setting up a business... Uh, you know, a government-funded Oh, yeah, but Matt, Matt Hancock's former landlord will start <laughs> up, like, you know, squeezy jet or something. <laughs> and take them over. But, yeah, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when um, asylum seekers came from Rwanda to the UK. It's amazing how the tables have turned. Now they're yeah. from Dover. So I'm sort of seeing you're in favour of this. Um, I mean, it, it sounds harsh and it sounds brutal. And obviously, The Guardian is, is saying, oh, my God, we should just let everybody come here. But the trouble is... Lots and lots of people want to come here. And also, you know, there's arguable, there's debatable merits in allowing, you know, thousands and thousands of fighting age men from ideologies uh, that are quite, you know, opposed to Western liberalism and tolerance and democracy um, in, into the country, you know, as we've, as we've, as we've seen with, the, you know, events uh, every day. So, you know, I can, I can see we need to do something about this and also, also to stop the people trafficking. So at least this is... This is something to, to just make the UK less appealing. OK, um, Thursday's Express and the smirking murderer, Diane. Yes, so um, the killer of uh, Sir David Amos has been given a whole life sentence. Um, and uh, I don't care if that despicable man smirks or not. He can smirk all he likes. I mean, he is just going to go and sit in jail now where he belongs. Uh, Mr Justice Sweeney said that Sir David Amos devoted his life to the lawful service of the public, and he was engaged in doing so when he was murdered. And he was, because he was there to meet people and to listen to their complaints. I mean, I can only imagine what... A, a horrible job it must be sometimes to be an MP, like ignoring the parties, ig ig ignoring like when you when you look at it from a, a theoretical point of view, somebody becomes an MP to help their community, and he was there meeting people, and you could imagine the people. Oh, so why isn't my council tax gone down? My cat went missing. I've run out of bread. Like you wouldn't. They probably get all the weirdest complaints. And he was there, and that was when he was killed. So, um, and, and this man, Ali, Harbi Ali, uh, he grew up in Croydon and he was radicalised, which is really sad. He just fell down some kind of uh, wormhole. Um, but at least, I mean, some justice has been done. Obviously, his family are deeply upset. And it, it is alarming because he murdered him for a vote that he had. But democracy is so important. And we have to have democracy mm. and, and get the majority to, to have the, the outcome because yeah. that's the only way we're really going to sort of make progress together. And he showed no penitence whatsoever. Leo, are you of the mind that perhaps, as well as uh, refugee camps, we should buy some Rwandan real estate and open some prison camps for terrorist defenders as well? Well, yeah, I mean, the sad thing is the UK is now an exporter of, of terror. Uh, you know, th this, this guy was British. This guy hadn't come across uh, on, a, on a boat or anything. He was, he was born and brought up here in Radical in the UK. So, you know, that's that's a really worrying thing. Uh, so, but, I mean, life, a life sentence in prison doesn't seem a big enough deterrent, does it? Well, and in prison, it, it continues. We've seen the attacks on guards in Belmarsh. So, you know, the, it's not... These aren't people who... Prison isn't a deterrent. 
So death isn't a deterrent to them. And you know, I, I question the I question uh, the value of having uh, you know faith schools in the UK where people can be inculcated and indoctrinated with uh, extremist ideologies that frankly don't mesh and aren't compatible with Western liberal democracy. Because uh, we're going to see more and more. And then, you know, the, the papers are saying, oh, why is everybody voting for Marine Le Pen? It's like, why do you think there's been a swing to this sort of populist right with, you know, Trump and, and Brexit, Marine Le Pen, when, you know, this is a, a daily reality, basically. Mm -hmm. Right, Leo's favourite paper is next, The Guardian, and the Justice <coughs> Minister, David Wolfson, has resigned. Oh, yeah, so this is uh, David Wolfson. Uh, the Justice Minister um, is the first ministerial resignation since Boris was fined by police for breaking COVID rules. Uh, he said, the Justice Minister, David Wilson, said the Prime Minister's action, actions were inconsistent with the rule of law. We're seeing a lot of this. Boris being in trouble for apparently breaking the law. As if that's a big deal anymore. I mean, wasn't, wasn't the whole of lockdown just a big, uh, a big breach of uh, all our human rights? I don't know. All these, <coughs> all these uh, you know, puritanical princesses furious because Boris had a bit of sponge cake after work one day, you know, while well, they were under the stairs reading all the COVID rules by torchlight, trying to memorise them because they're such good people. I, I don't know, I just think, you know, the government had to bring in these ridiculous rules. The government knew they were ridiculous. We knew the rules were ridiculous, but, but the government had to bring them in because we're a nation of crybabies who needs, needs, if we're not wearing actual nappies on our bums, we've got to have nappies over our faces. So, you know, I'm actually proud of Boris for breaching these ridiculous rules, even though he's the guy who made them. I'm, you know, I've got more respect for him now. And uh, I think the next time, next time, instead of crying about the government making these rules and breaking them, next time the government brings through rules that are totally ridiculous and obviously wrong, don't follow them. Has anybody ever considered that? I don't know. They did and they got fined for it. May I Not interject? It's your turn, Diane. <laughs> um, well, I just seem to think that um, I think some of the rules were very important, actually. I think they were crucial in keeping us safe. Um, and don't want to be safe. Yeah, well, some I live of in a us... Red Bull advert. Oh my God! Some, some of us don't want to live life on a roller coaster. Some of us like to just be alive and enjoy <coughs> peace, namaste, meditate. Yeah. Like the people who keep resigning seem to be the morally upright people. Like the prime minister breaks a rule. Like when when he tried to, he was attempting to break international law with Brexit. We lost somebody. Who went, you shouldn't do that. I'm resigning, and now he does the Partygate thing. And somebody else who follows the law resigns. So everybody who follows the law is resigning, and the people who keep breaking the law stay in. <laughs> now, I've bought something to help educate our Prime Minister. OK, so, Boris, if you're watching. watching, I hope you are, right? Look, this is the cake. And look, now we're having a party. No party. This is work. Party. OK, are we spotting the difference now? Yeah. That's, that, that is obviously an English person saying that. Like a Scottish person would bring a, a, a bag with eight cans of lag <laughs> up there. All, all room temperature. But, yeah. Um, yes, there's, there's some cultures that regard the law as guidelines and there are some cultures that take it literally and perhaps we should start regarding it more as a guideline than literally. No, it's a law! <laughs> but those laws breached are, are, sort of, are, are hard fought for human rights. So which laws? Which laws should we break? The ones that help the majority stay safe. Yeah, okay. don't like the majority. No, wait. Oh. <laughs> Thursday's sun now and uh, a victory for the free press, Diane. 
Oh, yes, no, now this is wonderful. So uh, it's in the sun, and they've said the government goons today uh, had to abandon their probe. You see, um, the um, Information Commissioner's Office have had to abandon uh, the probe to find out who leaked Matt Hancock's slurpy CCTV kiss. You know, uh, where it was plastered all over the pages of the sun, him kind of basically swallowing the head of, of that woman. And, um, I mean, it, it led to one of the m most revolting pictures that I think the British public have seen. And it's not the one where he's kissing, it's the one where he's in jeans and a black polo neck at, like, some kind of awards. It was like, oh, no, no. This is worse now. This is worse <laughs> than the kiss. Um, but what happened was uh, the Sun broke the story. They won a, an award for it, Scoop of the Year or something like that. But then the uh, this evil group, the Information Commissioner's Office, which sounds evil, mm. suddenly decided they had to find out who leaked that CCTV footage. And they can pretend that it's all to do with <coughs> security, but I don't think it was to do with security at all. I think it's just that they're kind of panicking. They were panicking at the time that, oh, if they find out about Matt, they're gonna find out about all the parties. But we found out about the parties now, so they've just gone, oh, it doesn't matter. And they, they haven't got enough um, to prosecute anybody. And I'm just, I'm delighted because it is about free press. So yeah. well done, The Sun. Yeah, no, ab absolutely. Well done, The Sun, and, uh, and a shame on the, the ICO for, for doing this. I mean, e even though <coughs> they, Aha, they, we agree. they withdrew it, it's still intimidation <laughs> of the free press, and it'll make other other editors, uh, you know, second guess, you know, oh, should we be should we be pursuing these leads? Should we yeah. follow this story? Which is, you know, it's a, it's a worrying precedent. And we've seen this with, with other people, West Midlands Police uh, were, were pursuing uh, a journalist to, to reveal his uh, whistleblowers Who'd, uh, who'd actually uh, shown a huge miscarriage of justice by the West Midlands Police. So, you know, I think, I think the free press is incredibly important in this country. It is very important, and it's important that the press should not have to give away their sources. Mm. But I can also see that they want to know who the mole is, mm. who's, who's the guy that, that shopped him, because, you know, it's probably some civil servant, and they probably want to know who the guy is they can't trust. So I can see both sides of it. Yeah. Yeah, but you got, they've got to remember, they're not Putin. There's yeah. going to be whistleblowers who do this for the good of the public, yeah. which is what people should be doing in government and in the civil service. OK, supposedly there are only two things that are guaranteed in life, death and taxes. Well, let's make that three. GB News advert breaks. We'll see you in a couple of minutes. <laughs> Welcome back to Headliners. I'm Dominic Frisby, and with me reviewing tomorrow's papers, we have Diane Spencer and we have Leo Kurse. And Thursday's Guardian again and the new Met Commissioner's job advert, Diane. Yes, uh, so um, the Met Commissioner job advert uh, flags serious failings of the force, which is incredible. The job advert sort of reads like uh, more like a mission statement of things they should already be doing. Um, it's kind of a, a list of things that the organisation should try to do as a whole, rather than putting the burden onto the shoulders of one new person who, let's face it, is going to spend, what, the first two weeks learning people's names, trying to remember where the stationery cupboard is, working out which mug they can use without offending anybody. 
Um, Unless they promote from within and somebody's already, <laughs> already they promote somebody who already knows everyone else's names. Well, but... most of the candidates that are unlikely to apply to this job, I love how uh, the paper is kind of like, <laughs> the Guardian's like, we know who's going to apply, do they? Uh, and they've basically said that people who seem to already be sort of like um, chief of different uh, like uh, regional police forces aren't applying, but you have people like uh, the National Crime Agency head, like they might apply. Um, and they've just used a lot of great words like empowering and things like that because mm. they, they essentially, they want somebody to repair the incredible damage that's been done over the reign of Cressida Dick, where we had homophobia, we had a lot of issues against women, uh, it's pretty bad. So, yeah, they've written this aspirational mission statement as a job advert. It is, like, reads like something out of LinkedIn and, and one of those Tony Robbins workshops. But yeah. the, um, I just think the police, especially in London, have got a near-impossible job at the moment. Um, I don't Hi. know. Why? Are you planning a crime spree? No, I'm not planning a, a, a crime spree. I think, like, for example... Um, I think it's much harder to police a multicultural society than it is a monocultural one. Because different cultures have different rules, different different uh, values, different uh, moral codes. As soon as, for example, a white copper apprehends a black bloke, it becomes a, it becomes it no longer is about the actual crime. It becomes a colour issue. Um, not always, but often. And there's uh, accusations being thrown out by every. Um, little community, every special interest group, they're all lobbying for special favour. And it's it's a very, very difficult task when we, the English, uh, or the, maybe even the British, are not clear about who we are and what we stand for. Yeah, yeah no, that's, that's a fair point. Whereas uh, Japan, they're very clear about what they, what they are and what they stand for, very low crime rate. I mean, one thing that worries me is that previously when Cressida Dick took over, the job uh, the job role there was very clear. It was about fighting crime, which for me, I mean, that's got to be in one of the top 12 priorities for a police force, I'd have thought. <laughs> you know what I mean? And now, you know, there's, there's talking about transformation, inspirational leadership and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, oh, you just know it's just going to be more police cars painted with rainbow flags, like more people taking the knee. They're not going to turn up and actually solve any crime unless, unless somebody gets misgendered during the crime. Then they'll, they'll, they'll scramble all units. Be a helicopter <laughs> with a sniper right over you. But yeah, I think I think the police need to get back to like basics. People don't care about all the culture war stuff. When people are burgled, when people have their cars broken into and a couple of grand's worth of camera gear nicked, they want people to turn up and yeah. solve the crime. Yeah, there, there, there didn't seem to be much about crime, actually, in the well, advert at all. There's lots of it. Um, on to Thursday's Times, and Finland and Sweden are going to do it. It do exactly, it seems what Vladimir Putin doesn't want them to do, Leo. Yeah, absolutely. So this shows how just catastrophically the invasion of Ukraine has backfired for Putin. And apparently his intelligence chiefs told him, uh, you'll just stroll into, into Kyiv and uh, you'll, you'll just take over the whole country. The country are begging to be saved. Vladimir, please, please do it. And uh, obviously that didn't quite work out, although the, the, Russia did release statements, victory statements, uh, on the second day of the invasion, which they quickly deleted from social media. That but, is premature congratulations isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, now, uh, as, you know, Russia's getting bogged down and really, you know, losing a lot of troops and losing a lot of, uh, a lot of military hardware, 
but you know, still continuing this absolutely barbaric assault. In fact, it's getting more barbaric as, the, as they're not as it's becoming more difficult for Russia. They're they're sitting back and using artillery and rockets to just bombard. Tell us the story in the so, back. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the story. So now, uh, all basically, it's galvanised uh, galvanised NATO countries and galvanised Europe to join NATO. So uh, Finland and Sweden are eager to join NATO now. And public opinion, you know, used to be sort of against uh, joining, joining NATO, partly because they didn't want to provoke Russia. Uh, and now six to one people in Finland want to join NATO. Uh, and just over half of the public in Sweden want to join. And this would double NATO's border with Russia. So Russia will be much more, much more hemmed. And Finland, of course, have been invaded by uh, Russia before, and this this is looking like it's, it's going to happen quickly. You know, obviously Finland was part of the Soviet Union for the whole of the 19th century. It right. was. Yeah. They um, declared uh, liberation in 1917. They were part of the Grand Duchy of Moscow, which was sort of a Moscow-centric realm mm -hmm. in the sort mm -hmm. of upper Europe bit. So they've always been very weary of Russia deciding, because Putin does that, doesn't he? He goes, oh, but Ukraine, you used to be part of us, so we've just come back to get you. There's no such thing as the Ukraine. And now he may do it again with Finland and go, there's no such thing as Finland, and just wander in with all his tanks again. Hmm. Well, let's hope he doesn't. So Thursday's Guardian, which is getting a lot of coverage, The Guardian, tonight, and uh, Diane, the National Union of Students, is to be investigated for anti-Semitism. Yes. So um, although the... They are going to be investigated for anti-Semitism. Um, when you uh, read the article, it comes down to um, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and how people feel about it. Um, you see, obviously, whenever there is a flare-up uh, in that conflict, then there's a rise in anti-Semitism in other countries, which is deeply sad. Uh, but the... Um, president of the uh, National Union of Students um, previously uh, made a reference to a tweet uh, about um, a massacre of Jewish people that happened in something like AD 638. So it was a very long time ago, but this tweet has surfaced. And also uh, this president, uh, her name uh, is uh, Shaima Dalali. She wanted to book a rapper uh, called Loki, and he does a lot of pro-Palestine music and pro-Palestine raps. And he works with Palestinian rappers who also live in the UK. So it's made Jewish students uncomfortable because obviously she's the president-elect and that is what this story is about, essentially. Well, that's the Guardian version of events. Uh, let me tell you what really happened. So the, <laughs> <laughs> so the new president of the National Union of Students uh, Shaima Dalali, she, uh, she's on video harassing Jewish students who've attended a, a, a speech, uh, singing songs at them about wiping Israel off the map, you know, from the, from the river to the sea. A horrific uh, anti-Semitic, wow. anti uh, you know, we're talking about uh, glorying in, in genocide. They do um, not mention that in the article oh, at right. all. Yeah, no. can I just say that, that that was not mentioned. Well, it's because it's the in Guardian. the Guardian. It's in the Guardian, so the Guardian fully support this. The Guardian absolutely fully support this because they're on the woke left and for some reason the woke left are absolutely fully behind 
anti-Semitism. As we saw with uh, Momentum, Jeremy Corbyn, uh, all of this. Uh, so th this uh, president of the... I think it's just a huge confusion between anti-Israel and anti-Jewish. And there's obviously some crossover in the well, even diagram. Anti-Israel, like, the whole of the Middle East is, is full of you know, barbaric dictatorships in, in countries with terrible human rights records where women and, and gays and the political distance don't have equal rights and are, are tortured and punished and killed. But at least and they there, have amazing football stadiums. No, but the, the, one, right. the, one country, the one country where people do have equal rights, you know, they, they somehow single out Israel for all this venom, for all this vitriol. What, what is it that's different about Israel? I wonder. Is it that it's the one country that's Jewish? So it's the, the whole anti-Israel thing is completely tied in with anti-Semitism. It's having a huge impact. Uh, over here, you know, we've seen open anti-Semitism on the streets uh, that, that isn't, isn't tackled. And uh, my Jewish I was friends, a victim of uh, anti-Semitic chanting on, you... on the train. I'm not even Jewish. <laughs> and they're singing it at me. But anyway, um, uh, Leo Kurse has spoken. Right, Thursday's independent now and presumably... Men from other countries are doing this as well. But the UN says the UK must stop single men on social media matching with lone refugee women, Leo. Yeah, so a very cynical story in The Independent. Um, they're, they're apparently claiming that uh, single men are on uh, the Facebook groups that have been set up for, for refugees uh, coming from Ukraine, and uh, single men are, are, are somehow preying on the single women and, uh, you know, being all creepy and saying, you know... Uh, I don't. I, th I think they should maybe just have an open mind. Maybe single men are just finally stepping up to the mark and doing their bit for refugees. That's what I think's uh, happening. But um, I but bet yeah. you a bit yeah. of both is happening. No, I think it's pretty much just creepy men trying oh, okay. to prey on. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. A, a Sunday Times, a Sunday Times journalist posed as a 22-year-old Ukrainian woman, which is actually what I, I like to do at the weekends as well. Uh, and uh, went on one of these Facebook groups to match, you know, uh, households in the UK with uh, Ukrainian refugees. And uh, within minutes of posting, just had the world's largest collection of uh, DPs, um, you know, pictures of not um, below the belt um, pictures. Pictures. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So do you do the opposite? And, and pose as a Ukrainian refugee in order to solicit men's attentions at times? Or... No, not at all. No, no, no. I, I, I pose as a British man uh, trying to find uh, Ukrainian women and I, I, I tell them to not go to any house that sends them below the... Yeah. Well, pictures. It's just, it's a horrendous it's story. It's awful. Good. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad. It's a horrendous story that somebody that's come from a, a war-torn place where their house has been burnt down, they've had to leave their partner, they might have even been already assaulted, and then they come here and the government, the government has said, oh, let's do it through social media. Are you insane? Like, social media is just so open. It's so open to abuse. They can't control anything that happens there. And they it's absolutely irresponsible and appalling that Michael Gove dared to put this on Facebook, dared to suggest that it could be done with social media. I, I don't think it's that bad. I, think I it's mean, like, come on, you, like, don't, just go, don't go and stay with a creepy guy. Has anybody thought of that? Don't go and stay with a creepy yeah, guy. Yeah, don't get trauma from the <coughs> zone and make bad decisions because right. you're traumatised. Diane Spencer has now spoken. On to Thursday's <laughs> Telegraph Now and former Swiss banker of the year. <laughs> I wonder who, uh, doing that award ceremony, was probably a good payer. Anyway, it's former <laughs> Swiss banker of the year who, it seems, could give George Best a run for his money. Who's, is this you, Leo, who've got this one, or is this you, Diane? No, it's me. Oh, good stuff. I mean, we've all... Um, I'm a 
must admit, I am the first person to maybe add a couple of little extra things to my expenses bill. However, the former Swiss banker of the year has been jailed after putting things such as strip clubs on his expenses, clearly claiming that this was a business meeting because obviously that's potentially how he likes to maybe interview investors as they're sort of gyrating above him and he's tucking money into their underwear. Um, there were many things that he did, uh, including one of the expenses. Now, this is super This cheeky. is glorious. You're yeah, going to read this us this is, one. This is super cheeky, right? It included almost 4,000 francs for the repair of a hotel room that he damaged whilst having an argument with the stripper he was dating. <laughs> no, like you could just about get away with saying, oh, it was a business meeting, we had to go to the strip club because otherwise they yeah. wouldn't talk to me. You could just about wangle that. But no, when you're actually, when you damage a hotel room because you're having a fight because she's gone, you don't love me, and he's gone, I, of course I don't, I pay for you, and you're having this big fight. But 4,000 francs is about three and a half grand worth of damage. So, yeah, what did they do? Yeah. Probably a nice hotel. It I'm probably was, but... It's Swiss well, banker of the year. Like one telly out the window, that's probably yeah. about that, isn't it? Well, that's only about 500 quid, unless you count the window, which is probably another grand. Yeah, and he might have been sniffing something that would give him more energy to do more damage. Which he probably claimed on expenses as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he undoubtedly. Well, yeah. this is the unfortunate nature of being a freelancer. We have to write this off against our, these kind of expenses, <laughs> off against our tax return. <laughs> Any thoughts on this, Leo, or can I go to a break? Well, Philip, I, I dated a stripper in uh, the financial crash of 2007-08. Uh, that destroyed uh, stripping uh, because she said, like, before that, like, the bankers would put it all in their, their company credit cards. And obviously, when people came along after that, you know, there's much more scrutiny on expenses and, and finance. And when men are paying with their own money, they're a lot more frugal. So. <laughs> That's interesting. So maybe it was yeah. uh, strippers, strippers fees that caused the financial crisis, <laughs> not collateral debt obligations. Right, we're going to take another break. Then it's part three when we do all the weird stories. We've got vegan dogs, emotional women, goalkeepers and a fat doctor. That's all after the break. Welcome back to Headliners. I'm Dominic Frisbee and joining me tonight are Diane Spencer and Leo Kurse. And we go to Thursday's Times. And I cannot wait to see what Leo Kurse has to say about this. Emotional women goalkeepers. <laughs> yeah, so Kenny Shields, who's the Northern Ireland... Ow. The Northern Ireland women's football team manager has apologised because he suggested that women footballers are more emotional than men and said that that's why his team conceded five goals in quick succession. Uh, and, yeah, he's completely wrong. Uh, women are worse at football because they're just bad at football. That is just the... They let five goals in because they can't play. What they need is more transgender players on their team, you know? Bring up, just raise the standards a bit. Diane. Hey, all those women, like... They drove there, right? <laughs> yeah. They all drove there. I, I mean, can... the car park's a mess, but they drove there and they all read the map to get there. And do you know what? Saying a woman are emotional and they, just because they're upset, because you don't know what's going on, they're all in sync. They're a football team. Of course, everybody gets in sync and then they all have their emotional time of the month all at once. Of course, you can't concentrate. You try running when that's happening. Oh my God, and you just feel bloated and want to eat a Mars bar. Shut up. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love this quote. We went one nil down. We tried to slow it down to give them time to get that emotional imbalance out of their heads. Yeah, but... That's an issue we have, not just in Northern Ireland, but all of the countries in the world. This is the Irish football. <laughs> well, the football the guys just stop. come out of a cave from, like, 1942, like, hey, let me tell you. I understand women. I love it. He's the manager. He's the manager. How did he get that job? Yeah. Anyway, uh, on to Thursday's Independent and a hit job by the Independent on the new leader of Plymouth City Council, Diane. What a hit job. <laughs> so this is incredible. Uh, the Tory council leader suggests that we shouldn't worry about climate change because we'll just adapt and we'll live in barren, sandy landscapes, Mad Max style, because that's what's going to happen. It doesn't matter if the planet changes and suddenly the air becomes unbreathable or suddenly the oceans rise. We'll develop fins in this man's mind. Uh, he's basically... I think you've bought in. You've bought into their trap. This is a blatant hit job. You think? Yeah. because You think he's been set up? No, they've quoted him out of context, they've oh. straw-manned him, they're desperately trying to defame him. Yeah. He's just a right-wing bloke who the Independent hates and they're trying to crucify him because he went on Delling Poles podcast and, hmm. you know, it's a classic left-wing straw-man job. And right. it also, it's nonsense what they're saying. I mean, like, there, there won't be a dry, arid, barren landscape if there's more CO2 in the air because CO2 is used by its plant food. It's free plant food. So what we're seeing from the increased levels of CO2 in the air is actually a greening of arid areas. So NASA, NASA footage, this is what they, they'll never, they, I mean, the data's out there. It's, clear, it's available from NASA, direct from NASA. But the, you know, you'll never see Greta Thunberg saying, oh, by the way, there's a few positives about climate change. So yeah, we're not, we're not gonna see uh, desertification. If anything, it's the, the opposite. I see. You're not. You're cynical. I mean, he's he clearly doesn't think climate change is a problem, no. which to some people is heretical. Is to Leo Curse, it's normal, mm. and uh, I'm sort of on Leo's side of the argument. But but and and you 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 probably aren't, which is fair enough. But they're definitely trying to smear him. Oh, okay. 100%. Well, well, that's very interesting. That that is that that's what you think. I mean, um, when he actually said it, he he does say, for example, some countries, and then he lists countries: Pakistan, the United Arab Emirates, have adjusted for many years to living in barry, barren, sandy landscapes. Yeah. So it doesn't, to so me, they have. sound like he's being uh, taken out of context. No, but th th again, to some people that thought is heinous and to others it's just like, yeah, they have. Hmm. Anyway, Thursday, we, we, we move on. Thursday, star next. And a crackdown on flat-faced dogs, Leo. Yeah, that's right. So uh, animal charity Blue Cross says the explosion in popularity for flat-faced dogs, I think they're popular because you can uh, fit them into small spaces more, has, has created a canine health crisis and it wants the law toughened up in a bid to prevent dangerous breeding. Uh, so they say some dog breeders are guilty of a vicious cycle of overbreeding. So they want to accentuate these weird, you know, in the, in the pugs and stuff, they've got all the folds on their faces, they've got weird flat faces. And people are like, oh, look, it's so cute. Uh, no, actually, it's in chronic pain. It can't breathe and it's, it's waiting for its early death. So <laughs> here's, a, here's a picture of a, of a cute flat faced dog. Yeah. That's uh, it's actually uh, been, been bred until it's more genetically malformed than the royal family. So, <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah, we're definitely in the uh, canine 19 health crisis. Very good. <laughs> Very good. I had a long 
nosed dog, I'm proud to say. Right, <laughs> vegan hounds, Diane. This is from The Times. Vegan hounds are as fit as a butcher's dog. Uh, so uh, dogs on a vegan diet were uh, often less likely to be on medication. Um, I mean, maybe because they're in exhausted, because they're dogs. Uh, they need meat. Uh, but uh, uh, you see, I, I, this is where I don't follow um, what you would assume I would. I, I'm very, I don't think veganism is right for all animals. I don't think we should force our gluten intolerance and our lactose intolerant onto our pets. Yeah, and also our, um, uh, uh, what's the word, our ideals, our values, these kind of, um, what is, what's the word? No, I can't think of the word, excuse me, my brain's <laughs> our gone. Our principles? Yeah, no, but it's, it's when it's a bit more religious than that. Anthropomorphism. Yeah, there you go. Yes, That's not what I meant, but anyway. But, but it is. It's, it is it's anthropomorphic. It's kind of in that yeah. case, because you're saying, well, we shouldn't... It's like when, when somebody introduces you to their dog, you go, oh, this is my dog, he's a vegan and a Pisces, and uh, <laughs> don't yeah. get him started on Brexit. Oh, my God. Like, it's like, no, it's, it's dog, mate. Exactly, yeah. that's what's going on. Yeah. Vegan I don't think dogs. we should even give vegan food to, to humans. I've, uh, I mean, how can it be better? Every time I go to Marks and Spencer's to get all the reduced stuff, all the yellow sticker stuff, it's always that vegan, you know, uh, plant-based uh, and, you know, meat-free stuff that's... Because nobody wants it, because it doesn't taste very nice. The fake vegan chicken tastes like... It just, it's like eating the erasers from school. How are you eating razors in school? Erasers. Oh, erasers. Yeah. I was oh, like, yeah. wow, that's rough. Important distinction. <laughs> Thursday's Telegraph now, and the Italian bear with a sweet tooth is back on headliners, Diane. Oh, my word. OK, so <laughs> a biscuit-loving bear walked 100 miles back to the town from which he was banished. This... We Last time, about two months ago, we covered the story when he was banished in the first place oh, on this programme. Oh, so. he's my hero, this little bear. He's, he, I think he's pretty much my husband's spiritual animal. Um, but they, they banished him. They said, ye shall not pass to the bear, because the bear just, he likes to go in and eat all, like, the sweet treats. And he broke into a bakery called Sweet Moments because they just baked some biscotti and he just ate all the fresh biscotti. I mean, wouldn't you? If you had the power, if you were such a, a heavy bear. And what they've done is they've, they, they, they haven't welcomed the bear. They just keep picking the bear up, plopping it into the wilderness. And the bear sort of gets there and goes, Oh, this is disgusting. And then the bear sort of eats plants and ants for a bit and then goes, no, the coffee and biscotti is that way. And the bear sort of ambles back and wanders back. 100 miles. Cage. He walked 100 miles and Worth found the bakery. It. Have you ever had freshly baked biscotti? But I don't know why they won't just give him, like, a little coat and a hat, like Paddington the bear, and that way he's like a cute little sort of feature. Because he'd rip their face off. He's a real bear. They no, should... he's not. He likes biscotti. That's, that's a good point. But he's, uh, they should fly him to Rwanda. What? <laughs> <laughs> that's what's known as a callback. Yes. On to Thursday's mail and Camden's hidden lavatory, Leo. Yes, so somebody has found a secret toilet beneath the streets of Camden, which are themselves a toilet, so it's a bit redundant. But uh, James Warwick Johnson... Uh, posted a video, they call it a remarkable video. To me, it just sounds like a video of a toilet. Uh, but it was taken opposite Camden Town Tube Station, which shows a hole in the ground. Here we see it. Here's oh, the video. Got, uh, yeah, so you can look down there, and look, there's a, there's a cubicle 
the bathroom, which is in a poor state with damage to walls, floors, and, and the door, it must be in a Weatherspoons, uh, is a public toilet which can be accessed by a set of steps located on a pedestrian crossing. Um, so, yeah, somebody found a toilet in the ground. I mean, well located for the tube. Oh. It's probably worth about what? 200 grand, the real estate. Oh, God. I mean, I, it just it makes me despair slightly. I'm, I'm like, is this why I don't like TikTok? Like, is that the kind of thing that's entertainment on TikTok? That's pretty highbrow for TikTok, to be honest. <laughs> right, on to Thursday's Mirror now and the frugal shopper who's taken a hit on social media, Diane. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So, um... A shopper had to defend herself because she... So, you know when you get those yellow stickers, which we were talking about earlier, and how they're, they're all the money off? She, she spent £6 and got this massive haul, which included 11 blocks of cheese, three packets of grated cheese and two cartons of eggs. She also had mushrooms and... <coughs> she got this massive haul for £6.38. Now, she posted this on a Facebook group, which is all about saving money and being thrifty. And she said, look what I got for six pounds something. But then the reaction was mixed. So half the people kind of went, oh, you're right, that's really good. And she said, I'll freeze the cheese, I'll do this, I'll do that. But then half the people were like, yeah, but you took all of it. You took every single yellow stickered item. You panic bought the yellow sticker stuff. We're in the cost of living crisis. Why did you do that? And so the reaction was mixed. I mean, what do you think? Would, do you think she was greedy or do you think she should have left things? I, I love a yellow sticker. Like, yeah. I, I just but would I you love take it. All I feel like I've, I've cheated, cheated God when I find a yellow, good yellow sticker. But cheese doesn't keep. You can't freeze cheese. She thinks you can freeze cheese. You can't. If you try and freeze cheese, you just get this horrible, weird frozen cheese chalk hybrid. It's, it's horrific. So she's made a big mistake. She, she should have, you know, I, I agree. She should have just take, take a couple of blocks of cheese, whatever you can eat in a, in a fortnight, and then just let other people share the wealth. Let other people have their blocks of cheese. Well, £31.55 worth of goods, and she only paid £6.38. She's, she's going to be Martin Lewis's secretary before you know it. Right, the fat doctor next. And Thursday's star has erred as it calls them him when they specify on their website that their pronouns are they, them. No, you're about, the you're pronouns are they, he, so him is also correct. Oh, really? So we're not full Sam Smith here. We're just one foot in, one foot out. OK. So uh, non-binary sometimes, other times, just a plain old regular bloke. But uh, supermarket giant Morrison's has been accused <clears> of fat-shaming uh, customers after placing a calorie warning label on its shelves. So Dr. Asher Larmy, who goes by the name of the Fat Doctor on Twitter because they're a doctor and they're fat. Uh, and yeah, their <laughs> Twitter profile has everything you'd expect. It's got the rainbow flag, it's got the trans flag, it's got the they, them, they, he, whatever pronouns. You know what I mean? It's like every, eh, hashtag FPP. You, can, you, know, you know exactly what this, uh, what this person... Uh, anyway, they, 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 they took umbrage at it. Um, they said, shame on you, Morrisons. I don't have a history of eating disorders, although they are fat, which could technically be counted as a, an eating disorder. I don't have a history of eating <laughs> disorders, and I don't think... And that's another thing. Why don't they? These fat people who are, like, getting on their high horse, there's a cost of living crisis. Why don't you just eat a bit less pasta and give some to your neighbours so they can eat as well? If you're fat and you're eating all this food, you're taking food off the plates of other people. Seriously. Like, legitimately. But anyway, they said, uh, they basically said this is very triggering for people with eating disorders. But I don't know, maybe, maybe the people with eating, eating disorders aren't massive crybabies like you, you fat doctor. Uh, and the fact is, uh, Morrison's is correct. You, you, you do need, women need 2,000 calories, men need 2,500 calories. There's, well, 
It depends on what you do. If you go, like, if you go, if you're trekking up the Himalayas, you need more calories. If you're sitting in front of Twitter like this fat doctor, you probably need a bit fewer calories. You see, this is the thing. Like the uh, the 2,000 adult, the sign said adults need 2,000 calories a day. Now that is a, a good ballpark figure, and not everybody knows about calories. I think Morrison's were being really responsible in just trying to share a little bit of information to maybe people who haven't taken the time to find out about it. Like if like if you want to be slightly smaller, you need slightly fewer calories. And I'm sorry, but I am fed up of people who are um, morbidly obese having fits like this, saying, well, I don't, um, I'm outraged by this. It's like, no, calm down. <coughs> projecting madly. And, I, and, um, and there's a lot of weirdly thin shaming mm. that goes on. OK, on to uh, our, fi <laughs> our next story, uh, which is um, the Glasgow... Ah, toddlers. We must uh, check your bias and what we're teaching toddlers uh, about white privilege. We, we need to teach toddlers about white privilege, Diane. Yeah, so um, the BBC Early Years Guide tells parents to, in quote, examine their biases if their children, quote, don't have black or brown friends. Now, I am sorry, but this, I believe, is deeply unfair. It's all very well for the BBC based in London and Manchester to make this statement upon people who live in multicultural areas, right? You can make that statement, but do you know what? It's still unfair because you're kind of insisting that your child needs to hang out with everybody, but they might not get on with everybody. That's how people work. And there's so many people that live in different areas of the UK where you, you aren't like there's areas of the UK that are purely Asian. There's areas of the UK that are uh, uh, purely white. But also, does your, it's so against white people. OK, thank you very much, Diane. That's all we have time for. Thank you very much to my guests, Diane Spencer and Leo Kirst. Thank you very much to you at home for watching. Headliners will be back at the same time tomorrow with Simon Evans in the chair. Until then, cheerio. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring.